Our scripture reading this morning comes from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Would you please join with me in prayer? Father, we already have been uh, reminded of your goodness and of the goodness of being able to give thanks to you. Um, we pray now uh, that you would give us attentive hearts to hear your word. Uh, we pray even as this calls us to that the word of Christ would dwell richly among us, uh, changing us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our uh, study of Isaiah, there are many things that I have been struck with. Perhaps that's true for you, uh, but the one that perhaps that uh, sticks with me more than almost anything else is this majestic picture of what God's people are meant to be. The, the, there's this complexity. On one hand, we see the people of God being weighed down by sin. There is an ugliness. There is kind of almost a hopelessness at times, and yet there is this looming picture that God is saying, this is where I'm taking my people, where one day they will be so beautiful, so attractive, so filled with me that they will draw the world to themselves because of their beauty and through themselves to me, and the world will be changed. There is this picture in Isaiah that his people are meant to be beautiful for the sake of the world. And that, that I've said is our calling. As we think about where God is calling us to be, we are called to be a beautiful community for the good of the world, that people might know Christ. So this morning, for just one week, we are briefly taking a break from Isaiah um, with kind of a more abbreviated time for looking at God's Word together on our special yearly Thanksgiving Sunday. And so I thought it would be valuable for us just to take a moment and consider another part of the Bible's perspective on what that beautiful community is supposed to look like. And that's what we have here in these verses in Colossians. Perhaps you notice at the very beginning, even as there's an instruction, it's saying who this is being instructed to. It is God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's the church. That's us. We are people who are chosen by God. That is, it's not just that we sign up for this. God has actually made us his own. We are beloved that's part of our identity. We are people who are loved by God. And it says we are holy, meaning that not only do we belong to God, but we are meant to reflect God. We are meant to show God to the world around us. This, as it even begins here, is reminding us of our calling, that we are to be a people loved by God who show His beauty to the world around us. And in the following verses, we see some of what that looks like, don't we? 
We're invited to a way of compassion and kindness. We're supposed to put on like a belt love that surrounds everything. There is a peace that is meant to define us, a, a joyfulness in our unity as we give praise to God. All of these things would be worth us reflecting on at length. But this morning, I want us to notice especially one theme that is repeated, and that is the theme of, of gratitude. Did you notice this? It keeps coming up. Verse 15, when it speaks of letting the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, it says, and be thankful. And then if we missed it, at the end of verse 16, when it speaks of the word of Christ dwelling richly, and we're singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then just in case you didn't pick up the point, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him. Do you see how central this is? What we're meant to understand is that a beautiful church is a thankful church. And I don't think that probably surprises us. This is not some shocking discovery because I think you and I know just how attractive gratitude actually is. We certainly know how unattractive um, a lack of gratitude, a sense of entitlement can be, don't we? I, when I was a kid, one of my favorite books was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I don't know if that was true for you or maybe you liked the movies. And I will, uh, this is, it's the first book I can ever remember right when I finished deciding that I wanted to read it again because I, for some reason, really enjoyed it. But there's one part, at least, that really I didn't enjoy, and that was Veruca Salt. I don't know if you remember Veruca Salt, but she was the rich kid who had a dad who would always get her everything, and she was so spoiled. I remember, so this is straight from the book, you know, it's like she sees these really interesting squirrels, and she says, Daddy, all I've got at home is one pony and two dogs and four cats and six bunny rabbits and two parakeets and three canaries and a green parrot and a turtle and a silly old hamster. I want a squirrel! And it's just like so grating that when she eventually gets thrown down the garbage chute, you're just relieved. Because ingratitude is just ugly, isn't it? And yet the opposite is also true. Have you ever known someone that just seems to be characterized by a deep sense of gratitude? I was thinking about that this week in my own life and thinking about how God has given me the privilege, and I really think of it in this way, of knowing a few people over the course of years that I would say are especially true in this way, where it's not that their lives were especially great. In fact, each person that I thought of, I feel like, well, there, were, there was key moments of, of hardship that they faced. But there was just this profound sense of life as gift. Like, you, they kind of were looking around, it was like, can you believe that I got this? Uh, there's a lack of complaining attitude because everything is undeserved anyway. And, and because they experience the reality of generosity and they feel like this is undeserved, they are also really generous with other people. Have you ever, have you ever met anyone like that who just seems to be filled with a sense of thankfulness? If you have, you know what I'm talking about, about just how beautiful it is. But even the fact that I'm asking the question also alerts us to a reality, and that is I do think that kind of gratitude is rather rare. If you think about it, our society is not set up to encourage that kind of attitude towards life, is it? 
I mean, in some ways, you could say our economy is built on people wanting and trying to acquire things. I mean, so much of advertising is, is seeking to make us dissatisfied, to create in us desires we didn't even know we had before. And it's not just outside of us. So often for us, we have told ourselves that if I can only get to this place in life, whether it's a relationship or a job or acquiring something, then I will be happy. And of course, the moment we get there, there's something in our heart that says it's the next thing. It is not an easy thing to be grateful. And as I thought about it this week, I am deeply convinced that when I've talked about what it looks like to have a life characterized by gratitude, that does not yet describe me. Um, I'm much more frequently aware of what I don't yet have or what is not yet true than what I've already received. Um, I'm, I'm much more focused on the things that I have to do rather than being able to take encouragement in the things that have already been done. Um, my attention is much more on the problems of life that I feel like need to be dealt with than on the blessings of life that I have been given. It's not something I'm proud of. I've just realized that that is where my attention often is. And my guess is I'm not alone, that many of you would say that is true of yourself as well. But imagine if that were different. Imagine if it wasn't just a few people that we thought of, but we actually knew of ourselves as a community of gratitude, if that is what characterized us as a congregation, if we were a congregation that was just filled with this quiet sense of gladness because we've been given so much, this humble sense of undeserving that allows us to view everyone with acceptance and no sense of superiority, this, this sense of delight that, that is not denying suffering, but even in the face of suffering that recognizes that we have experienced something good and allows us to be gracious towards others. Can you imagine if there were a community that were defined by that sense of gratitude? Would it not be beautiful? And, and this is what God in His Word says He is calling us to be a community characterized by gratitude, a beautiful community. And in these verses, I want us to notice it's not just that this is what we are called to be. This actually is what we are becoming. So, um, even if you were to back up a few verses before the passage that was read, you would see that Paul uses um, a metaphor of what happens when someone comes to Christ, when they turn their lives to Christ and entrust themselves to Jesus. He says it's a little bit like a clothing change. That is, you have this old way of life, this old self, and it's like you've got these smelly, dirty, rotten clothes, and you are able to take those off and put on new beautiful clothing, putting on a new self, a new way of being. And so that's why, if you notice at the very beginning of our pastor says, put on then these things. You have now been given a new way to live. And, and what we discover is that new person, that new way of living that we are given when we come to Christ, actually, paradoxically, is allowing us to most fully become ourselves. That this is the person we were always meant to be. As we put these things on, we become more authentically us than ever before. 
And, and what you might notice when you look at these verses is this new self that we're becoming looks an awful lot like Jesus, right? Where it says, put on compassion and kindness. That's, that's, that's the character of Christ that's being described. It even says it more explicitly, even as the Lord Jesus has forgiven you, so also you be forgiving towards each other. Let the peace of Jesus, His way of, of bringing about all things right, let that be what rules you. In every way you were being told when you're putting on these new clothing, you are putting on Christ. And the idea is that when you come to Christ, God gives you the very character of Jesus. That throughout life, He is making you more and more into the one who resembles His Son. And the point I want us to understand here is what I've just said about those things is also true of gratitude. So the very end of the paragraph, notice again, it says, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And the Him here is Jesus. We are thanking God through Jesus. And the idea here is that Jesus is already thanking God, and we're joining in with Him. Jesus was more grateful than anyone who has ever lived. If you look at His prayers in the gospel, you will see on a number of occasions, says, I give thanks to you, Father. He will say, I don't have anything except what the Father has given to me. When He breaks bread before the, uh, the Last Supper, it says, after giving thanks, He, as the Son of God, was supremely characterized by gratitude. And what Scripture tells us is that as we come to Him, as we make Him our Savior, as we allow Him to lead us, He will form us with His very same disposition. He will give us that same love for the goodness of God, that same awareness of His grace, that sense of overflowing gratitude that Christ has will be ours. You know, sometimes we… Um, we want to know what is God's plan? What is God's will for us? What is God doing with our life? Let me tell you, He is making us more grateful. This is our future. Our future is that we growingly become people who have gratitude in our hearts to God. This is what God is doing among us. And of course, we ask how? How is He bestowing on us this gratitude of Jesus? Experience tells us, rightly, I think, that part of this happens through just human experience, oftentimes through suffering. I already said that the people that I think of when I think of people who are deeply grateful are people who have encountered hardship, and oftentimes that's the way it is, right? That as we go through some of the difficulties, even like the ones we have just actually spoken of this morning, it is especially in those that God refines us and teaches us of His goodness and actually forms in us gratitude. So that's part of how He is making us grateful. But I want us to notice that there is another part in this passage that, that tells us how He is doing it, a part that actually gives us an option to pursue that work, that, that growing in gratitude that we long for, that God is giving us. In, in verse uh, 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And, and the connection seems to be that as we are letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, it will evoke gratitude in our hearts to God. In other words, if we want to grow in gratitude, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let, let the news of Jesus, of who He is and what He has done, abundantly be a part of your life as it will 
as that happens, you will grow in gratitude. And the reason for this is because gratitude is not about us having a better life. It's not even about us having better willpower. Gratitude is about us seeing things differently. So this is something that I think is hard to describe, but hopefully I'll be able to do it in a way where you know what I'm talking about. It seems to me that there are two primary ways that we might have of relating to our lives, of approaching to life, approaching life. There is, on one hand, and this is the more natural way, a way of approaching life where we feel like life is something to be taken. That, that the world seems relatively chaotic, and we want to pursue happiness, and the way to be happy is to find what happiness is and to acquire it and to, to fight for it. And, and this way of seeing the world sees threats everywhere. There are people, there are things that can happen that we have to keep on our radar to defend ourselves against so that we can keep ourselves as happy as possible. This way where life is something to be taken is ultimately an approach to life that is fueled by fear. And our response to it is to try to take control. If you want to think of this in some ways in a visual term, there is, this is one way of relating to life. But there is another way of relating to life, not with a fist of control, but with an open hand of receptivity. A way of seeing life not as something to be taken, but as a gift to be received where the attention is turned in every day towards the blessings that we are experiencing and also has an expectancy for the future of good things that will continue to come. Not in a way that is shutting eyes to suffering, because suffering is real and painful, but that has a confidence that on the other end of suffering there will be something good. This way of approaching life with the open hand of receptivity, rather than being characterized by fear, is characterized by hope. And, and rather than seeking to take control, ultimately this approach to life is one that involves trust. To try to tease out the difference between the life of taking versus the life of, of receiving as a gift, just think of a few different scenarios, and these are just in some ways caricatures, but hopefully it paints the picture. Imagine when snow comes down and it's October 31st. I mean, it's hard to imagine, but let's just take that for a moment. The, the life that sees things as threat sees shoveling. The life that receives recognizes beauty, even though it realizes it has to shovel. Or think about paying your bills. The life of, of taking and fighting for things sees Bill as threat. It is taking our resources. It has a complaining heart. But the life of receiving, while recognizing that that means we lose things, is able to give gratitude to God that he has given us the provision so that we can provide for ourselves even for these costs. Or think of home, the, the, the way of taking, of fighting for things, just sees home as just a long list of to-do items that are going to take time, and there's a roof that's going to need to be replaced, and all of these things, and then the person who is receiving says, yes, that's true, but I have a home, and what a gift that is. Do you see the difference between these two attitudes? We 
face these, and sometimes we oscillate between the two. But what I want to tell you is it's not ultimately a matter of willpower, that if we just choose to look on the bright side of life, we will be more grateful. There's maybe an element of truth to this, but it goes deeper than that. For us to actually see life as gift, we need to have a profoundly different understanding, a different way of seeing things. We need to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. Because what does the Word of Christ tell us? What does the news of the cross tell us? It tells us that you and I, while we have failed, and we have failed in ways that are deeper and more horrible than we have even realized, but though that is true, the cross tells us that there is no more shame or fear or guilt that we have to worry about. And more than that, the cross tells us that we have a God who is fundamentally for us. That the person who is in charge of the world, who knows every hair on your head and every atom in existence and knows the name of every star in the universe is for you and you stand in His grace. He delights in being generous to you and every day He desires to give you good things and He desires to keep giving until that final day where we will experience His goodness in all of its fullness. If you have that word of Christ dwelling in you richly, it changes your attitude and allows you to not face this world with fear, but to know that Christ has already won and to face this world with hope. And that changes everything. And isn't that, the, isn't that what you want your heart to be like? I know my heart, I want my heart to be one of attentiveness and hopefulness. And that's actually the way we are called to be. And that's actually the way of sanity and wholeness. And so, and so Paul says, this is the choice that you have before us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it be the thing that we talk about together as we are together, as we think about who Jesus is and what He has done. Let it be what is the object of your reflection in the quiet of your day as you, maybe at the beginning or the end of the day, reflect again on what God is doing and studying His Word. Let it be what shapes your prayers and everything. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly because this is the key to unlocking our hearts and freeing us to a posture of gratitude. And this is what God is doing among us. Our God loves us so much that He is going to make us more and more like Jesus. He is going to give us the gratitude of Christ. And He is in the process of making us beautiful in this way. And so even this morning, I don't want only to talk about gratitude. I want us again to take a moment to reflect gratefully over what God has done. We have spent time before having a chance to share, but I'd like to give us just a minute or two, and you can think of it almost as a step of repentance for those of you who, like me, are not grateful in the way we wish we would be, in the way we know we're called to be. So just take a couple of minutes, and in silence, reflect on ways that you have seen God's goodness to you, and then spend some time in quiet thanks, and then I'll lead us in prayer in a couple minutes' time.